During the Middle Ages, it was felt that people needed to be afraid of the civil authority and the church. The only way to keep order was to make sure that the citizens were terrified of any punishment that would be given out if a person was found guilty of a crime. And so, with the use of corporal punishment, penalties were harsh. The inventiveness of the techniques and instruments used by the medievals for both physical torture and punishment were remarkable. Prisoners, usually those from poorer backgrounds, might be branded on the forehead, have feet, hands, or even their tongues removed, and they would be sent out into the world to carry on their lives as best they could, whilst showing the rest of society how they too would suffer if they dared to break the rules. In today's episode, we continue our medieval punishment series as we look into mutilation, maiming, and marking. Welcome to Medieval Madness. Mutilation. This was used across the world as a judicial punishment, sometimes as an appetizer before the death penalty was imposed, and other times as retribution, as in the hand being chopped off to punish someone who had committed theft. Because of high levels of poverty, this was one of the most prevalent crimes, and controlling theft was a priority for most monarchs in the Middle Ages. Thieves were hard to catch, especially in these sparsely populated rural areas. The crime itself was difficult to report and very hard to prevent. So the response for those who were caught had to be a short, sharp shock, a brutal punishment that would deter other would-be robbers. The slicing off of ears was quite popular, especially in England. The Catholic Church carried out a wide range of mutilations in England and used the lopping of ears for religious reformers. Any deviation from the canon teachings meant that a person had committed blasphemy and would be dealt with accordingly. Later, as the Reformation began to take shape, many had their ears removed as a penalty for refusing to attend church. When the Danish king Canute became ruler of England in 1016, he knew that he had to repress his Anglo-Saxon rivals so that he could sustain his reign over the kingdom. Making no distinction between the English and the Danes, he had set up a new set of rules called the Law Code of King Canute at Oxford in 1018. In it, he states that, quote, "...justice be promoted and every injustice suppressed, every illegality be eradicated from this land." It set out punishable crimes such as perjury, sorcery, and adultery, with murder and treason having the worst sentences. Penalties under Danish rule were particularly harsh, and included the slicing off of the nose, ears, and upper lip the gouging out of the eyes, the scalp being ripped off, and even the body being flayed alive for any crime greater than theft. In regard to hunting, Canute believed that every man was allowed to take game from his own land, but if a freeman hurt the king's deer in any way, then he would lose his property and freedom. A serf caught doing the same would lose his right hand. Anyone who was either brave or stupid enough to kill a deer would have his eyes plucked out or be killed. This form of mutilation was also employed by the first two Norman kings, William the Conqueror and his son, King William II, to protect game in their forests. In the 12th century, during the reign of Henry I, coin clippers and false coiners who were caught would either lose their right hand or their penis, sometimes both. A female skull found in the southern county of Hampshire, England, confirms evidence of facial mutilation. Carbon dating shows the remains to have belonged to a woman who lived somewhere between the late 8th to the beginning of the 10th centuries. 
The woman died quite quickly after the mutilation, and her injuries were very severe. The cut through her nose was so deep that it had sliced through the adjoining bone. There were other cuts across her mouth and her forehead in what would seem to be an attempt to either remove her scalp or cut off her hair. Based on the dental and cranial development, she was probably aged about 15 to 18 when she died, probably from her wounds as there is no sign of any healing. The injuries of head mutilation fit the pattern for the punishments usually restricted to slaves and adulterers following King Canute's law code. Blinding During the reign of King John in 1203, Alice Crithocreech and some others were found accused of murdering a woman in Lilshall, which is now in the county of Shropshire. Right after the murder, Alice fled into Staffordshire, taking some of the murdered woman's belongings with her. She was apprehended there and brought back to the Salop Assizes, where she told a strange story as her defence. She said that on the night in question, she had heard a noise coming from the murdered woman's house, so she went to have a look and peered through a chink in the door. She saw four men within the house, who after spotting her, seized her and threatened to kill her if she made any noise. Because she had kept silent, they gave her the stolen goods, and that's how she had come to be arrested. Because she now changed her story in front of the justices, the death penalty was commuted and she was condemned to having her eyes plucked out instead. The medievals used blinding not just as a punishment, but also as a way of leaving an opponent unable to rule properly. Byzantine Emperor Basil II and the Bulgarian Tsar Samuel had been at odds for almost 50 years. Their rivalry finally culminating at the Battle of Clydeon in July of 1014, where the Bulgarians were decisively beaten. Many thousands of soldiers were captured. Estimates range from somewhere between 8 and 15,000. And Emperor Basil had them rounded up into groups of 100. He then had 99 men in every group blinded. The extremely painful punishment involved the eyes being either scooped out with a spoon-like instrument or gouged out by pushing the thumbs into the eyeball and applying pressure. One man from every group only had one eye plucked out so that he could lead his comrades back to their commander. This could have been done as either revenge, because Basil's favourite general had been killed, or because the Byzantine punishment for rebels was blinding. It earned Basil the nickname Bulgar Slayer, and Tsar Samuel was said to have died of a heart attack when he saw the sorry state of the soldiers on their return. Another creative technique for the blinding of a prisoner was to have a red-hot brazier passed backwards and forwards in front of the victim's face until the scorching heat eventually melted their eyeballs. Instep Borer Invented in Germany, this torture instrument resembled a hinged metal boot. The bare foot was inserted into the boot, and a hole was bored through the centre of the instep. A casing over the foot concealed a long, thick iron blade, which was serrated to cause extreme injury and encourage copious blood flow. A crank also projected from the casing, and was turned slowly to move the blade into the boot and drive a hole through the centre of the foot. The wound would often be so large that the victim would die from the injury. Any sensitive part of the body was perfect for mutilation by drilling, puncturing or boring such as the tongue, hand or foot. Denailing This was the extraction of the fingernails and toenails, and was a particular favourite of the medieval torturer as the nail beds are acutely sensitive. The prisoner would be held down with his hands restrained, and then the nails would simply be grasped with metal pliers or forceps, sometimes heated red hot, 
and torn out. In Spain, a crueler variation used sharp metal or wood wedges which were put between the nail and the flesh. The wedge was slowly forced further and further under the nail until it was torn off. In medieval Germany, witch hunters dipped wooden skewers into boiling sulphur before they were slowly forced beneath the prisoner's toenails, several at a time. Sometimes the skewers would be dipped in boiling oil instead. Not only would this burn the sensitive flesh, but it would also lubricate the skewer for easier access under the nail. When there were enough skewers beneath each nail, they were priced from their beds, then pliers would be used to tear them loose. Hands were always going to be an easy option for the torturer as there was no need for any special training or complicated equipment. Hot implements could disfigure and cauterize any bleeding to make the torture last longer, and a sharp blade, whether it be from a knife or axe, could cut through flesh and bone to sever individual fingers and thumbs. In fact, red hot tongs could be applied anywhere on the body to burn the flesh. Flat nose pliers were perfect for gripping and squeezing areas such as the nose or the eyelids. Larger pliers could remove whole toes or castrate a prisoner. There are also legends of skilled executioners who were able to use hot tongs to flay the victim alive by peeling the skin from a person without damaging the muscle or bone beneath. Branding This is a very old punishment, usually achieved by a red-hot branding iron being burned into the skin. It meant that not only would the prisoner suffer from an extremely painful punishment, but they would also have to endure the public humiliation later. Everyone would see the visible proof of their criminality as the resulting scar would be permanent. It meant that they would be marked for life. The practice was quite widespread throughout Catholic Europe, where the branding iron might be in the shape of a cross to let everyone know that the perpetrator was a blasphemer. Imagine the prisoner being dragged before the Punisher. The red-hot iron being pulled out of the brazier and pushed into the poor man's hand. The loud hiss of hot metal on skin and the greasy smell of burning flesh. The scream of pain that later turns to a whimper as the initial agony becomes an unbearable, throbbing ache. The criminal court at Lancaster in the north of England still has a branding iron attached to the back of the dock. A long piece of metal with a wooden handle, it has a letter M at one end. There are also two iron loops which would have been used to fasten down the hand of the criminal whilst the punishment took place. VM stood for malefactor, an archaic word now seldom used which means evildoer or lawbreaker. After thrusting the glowing hot iron into the webbed area between the thumb and index finger, the brander would admire his own handiwork, before turning to the judge and declaring, A fair mark, me lord. The criminal was told to hold up his hands before sentence was passed to demonstrate whether he had any previous convictions. During the reign of Edward VI, the Statute of Vagabonds was in place, which meant that vagrants who were caught begging were branded with a V on their forehead and enslaved for two years. The letter V was also branded onto the chest of a runaway slave. If he ran away again, he would be branded on the cheek or forehead with the letter S so that everyone who saw him would know of his status. Gypsies were often persecuted in England and branded on the cheek. Many men from the community were hanged and the women drowned. Whether it was used to extract information, frighten enemies, punish a suspect, force a confession, or just for personal revenge, the medievals had countless methods of torture, from branding techniques to full-blown mutilations, and they deemed themselves justified in doing so. 
Thank you for watching this episode of Medieval Madness. Do you hope you've enjoyed it? And please subscribe to the channel if you'd like to get notified whenever we release a new video, which we do every Friday. Hope you have a great week. Cheers.